This is episode 13 of Essential Oils by Design. Hi everyone, you're listening to Essential Oils by Design, the podcast about essential oils and human design and how they work so beautifully together. We're your hosts, Ros Isbell and Nani Chisire, and there's three things that we're both passionate about. Essential oils, human design, and making the world a better place by helping people get both in their lives. And before we go any further, we'd like you to know that as per usual, Nani and I had a lot to say on this topic and we intended for our series on children to go for three weeks, but guess what? It's going to go for four. So today we will be talking about the centers. Specifically today we'll be covering off the head center, the Ajna center, the throat and the G center. And in the next episode, we will be dealing with the remaining five centers. We hope you enjoy this episode. On with the show. Hi, Nani. Hi, Roz. How are you today? I'm doing all right. This is part three of three about human design and oils and kids. And I'd say maybe I'm just a little worn out from kids and work right now, but I'm doing all right. (laughs) That's good. So Nani, today we're going to be talking about our kids again, aren't we? Our kids being everyone's kids. And we're going to look at a few areas. We're going to have a look at the centers and whether or not they are defined or undefined in your kid's human design chart. But I want to share with you all something that I'm responding, you know, I'm a generator. This popped up in my social media this morning and I just thought, wow, we're recording this particular episode today. I have to share it with everyone. So let me just read this out to you. It was a little meme. But what it said was, parenthood is about raising and celebrating the child you have, not the child you thought you'd have. It's about understanding your child is exactly the person they're supposed to be. And if you're lucky, they might be the teacher who turns you into the person that you're supposed to be. And I just thought, wow, that is what this work is about, isn't it, when it comes to understanding our children? Because we have this image of what our children should look like in the same way as I'm sure our parents had about us and probably their parents had about them. And what human design teaches us is that, in fact, that's not the case at all. Each child is born with its own blueprint, with its own human design. And what that shows is who they are here to be. And we as parents are, you know, we're their guardians. We're there to help them be the best person they can be, not the best person that society tells them that they should be because very often it doesn't work out that way. Very often they don't work out to be as happy or as productive or as fulfilled as they might otherwise be if they live a life that someone else thinks they should have. I would say too, as parents, once you start learning more about human design, you might need to become more of a renegade 
like renegade parenting because society will tell you how to parent and your friends and your family may have ideas about it, but honoring your kid for who they are may not fit into societal norms. There's so many different facets to human design as well. Yeah, there's just a lot to think about and you just have to stand up for your kids, I guess. That's or maybe that's just how I feel about it. But No, yeah. Nani, it's how I feel about it too. Clearly we've both had experiences in this area of understanding our children's design and having to you know, be there as advocates for our children to allow them to do what they're designed to do. Allow them to be who they're designed to be. I've certainly had experiences of that and I'm I know I absolutely know that that work that I have done has been some of the most important parenting work that I have ever done and it is proving itself over and over again now after a couple of years of working at it to be so valuable for me and for my family and you nanny Yes, I totally agree. I was just talking with someone the other day about something as simple as two-year-olds or maybe they're even younger say no all the time. No, no, no. They they know what they want. They understand maybe even their authority at that time, how they make decisions and how they express what they want. Maybe they're not expressing it in words, but they know what lights them up or not. And then as they get older... <laughs> conditioning happens and they're told either to politely say yes, even if they meant no or other things. And so it's been very interesting as I learn about human design and then actually implement it with my kids because I am conflicted a lot because I want to, you know, like my first instincts, like, will tell them not to say no. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, maybe they should say no if that's mm -hmm. what they want to say. And so I sometimes just like test different things out and see how it feels for me because I guess I have to respond to how I'm feeling about it as well. And in the end, at all times, I'm just doing the best that I can. And I guess, yeah. And that's all we can do, isn't it, in the end? Mm -hmm. That is all we can do, is the best that we can do. And having this information, it makes that job easier. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, so we're going to do the centers today. because I think we've already talked a little bit about the, the types, but the centers and where you might either see your child should be a certain way, and it might be your own ideas or whatever ideas are around you, but why maybe your child is that way, or maybe they're not that way and they're actually being conditioned and it would help you to let them be a little bit more of, of who they really are. Yeah. And we'll just start from the top and go down because it seems easiest, especially if you're new to human design. And then we'll also give you oils to help with different things. Yeah. So it's important to understand that kids, adults, anyone can be conditioned anywhere in the chart, but we are most susceptible to conditioning where we are white. Now you can be conditioned if you are defined in a particular centre. And by centre, I mean, you know, the head, the ajna, the throat, the G centre, all of those shapes on the human design body graph, which by the way, if you don't have your own, you can grab from mybodygraph.com. But you can be conditioned if you are defined. It's a little bit more of a process, but generally where we are defined is where we know the truth of who we are. But where we're open, we're taking in energy from all around us. And so it's so easy to think that we are something that we are not, to feel that we are something that we are not, to do things that are not 
correct for us because we are taking in energy from all around us and it can be a little confusing but this is where we can help our kids when we understand their design so as Nani said let's start at the top we'll start with the head center the head center is the center for ideas and inspirations so if it's defined we receive ideas and inspirations in the same way and if it's undefined if it's open or white then we're receiving ideas and inspirations from everywhere. So if you look at your child's chart and they have a defined head centre, and this is not particularly common, only one in seven people have a defined head centre, they are quite set in the ways that they receive ideas and inspirations. They can be quite set in their ways. And Moving through, because if you have a defined head center, by default, you will also have a defined Ajna, which is the next one down. It'll be green if it's defined on the standard chart. So if you have a defined head center, you will automatically have a defined Ajna center. And the Ajna is the center for concrete thinking. So when your child has a defined Ajna and defined head center, they are going to be very fixed in the way that they get their ideas, have their thoughts, in the way that they are inspired. And in fact, they will be inspiring people in their own way. With their Ajna being defined as well, they will be quite set in the way that they process that information. So they might have difficulty naturally seeing both sides of an argument. They may be very, very set in their ways. And this is who they are. And they're here to inspire the rest of us. Yeah. So like the quote that Roz said at the very beginning, if you expect your kid, maybe you're very open and can see things from multiple perspectives and you expect that your kid is going to be like that and they have a defined head and a defined Ajna and they're more fixed in their their beliefs. It's just this level of understanding that that's the way that they are. And there's things that you can get from each other being different, I guess, in that way, or maybe even being the same, they can inspire you and you can give them, this is just an example, if you were totally open up there, you could give them different ways of looking at things, but it might take them a while to be open to hearing you, but you do have, you'd have gifts to give each other. (laughs) That's it. That's exactly right. And understanding this work helps to show you just what those gifts are. And if you have just a defined Ajna, you're getting a bunch of ideas and inspirations from the open head, but the Ajna is like how you're processing it. So you can process it. You probably do process it in a consistent way. In the school system, this probably means that if you learn a way to solve a problem, you're going to memorize it and you might be able to take in a lot of information and process it and take tests well probably with either configuration of defined head and defined ajna or open head and defined ajna. It's not to say that you don't take tests well if you have an open because I, both of them open because I've seen that as well. But this might just give you a, a defined way of going through the process of something. So leading into having an open head and an open ajna, if you took tests easily, for example, and your kids have this open, they may just learn differently and maybe even memorize differently. And they probably can get to the answer and see different ways to get to the answer. Yeah. And one of the things that I notice about 
children with open heads and ajnas is that they can learn in so many ways. So when you have a defined head and ajna or even a defined ajna on its own, as Nani was saying, you tend to learn in one way. When you have an open head and ajna, you learn in many, many ways. And if your child is interested in something and has an open head and ajna, one of the great things you can do for them is to encourage them to learn whatever it is that they're interested in, whether it be violin or whether it be mathematics or whatever it happens to be that they are showing an interest in, you can encourage them to learn it in many ways because what this does is it sort of, it creates a bit of a layering effect and it helps to bed down the information a little easier. And I say that because, and this may cause a few ahas, a few minds might be blown when I say this, but when you have an open head and ajna, it can be difficult to remember things. It can be difficult because you store your information in so many different ways, in so many different places. And so it can be difficult to recall. But if you've learned something, hopefully because you were really passionate about it, because you enjoyed it, because it was something that you thought was worthwhile pursuing, if you learned it in many ways, that's when that information is easy to grasp because it's stored in lots of different places in lots of different ways. So check out your child's chart. And if they have an open head and ajna, help them by encouraging them to learn. You know, we learn auditorially, learn visually, learn by doing, learn by reading, learn by watching, whatever it happens to be. I encourage them to learn in many ways. Raz, for the ajna and head together, kind of just the mind what kind of oils would you suggest for someone who gets like a little bit stuck in like maybe like a fixed way of thinking about something and is maybe frustrated about it? So they need some oils to support them. An oil for the mind. So I think, I mean, I think frankincense is amazing for its ability to calm the mind. Vetiver is another one that's just beautiful for being able to quiet a really busy mind. And I can tell you that a defined head and ajna is a very busy mind. So just having that ability to calm. And I know we'll probably talk about lavender when we get to the throat. I think lavender is also a really nice one for helping with that really busy, extremely hardwired head center, just to calm it down a little bit. and. Yeah relax it so that it can feel okay about the possibility that there are other options because that's how these people slash kids can get is you know really quite real I, I don't I hate using this but I'm going to say it because I can't right now think of a better way to describe it but it's that almost that pig-headedness you know that real stubbornness and those oils lavender and Frankincense. Frankincense and vetiver. I would say that frankincense and vetiver might be liked by your kid, but they may or may not be. So some of the oils that we were talking about last week, the kid oil collection, the steady blend, it's the mm. grounding blend might help. Thinker might help, but that might be, I would say the thinker one seems to be for, more for the openness because you're trying to like mm. get clarity and focus and then the steady grounding blend for the more defined ways of thinking so you can kind of calm it down. Absolutely. And for the open 
Head and Ajna. I really like the passion blend because it can help these kids to, you know, embrace something and look at it from many different perspectives, which is what they're naturally wired to do. But it can sort of help to pull it all together and really make the most of anything that. And then the next center is the throat center, and that's about communication and manifestation. And three out of the five types need to be recognized to be heard in this area, but there are two types, the manifester and the manifesting generator that have what is called a motor connected to their throat. And so when they talk, they can be heard. Yeah. So if your child has a colored in throat and if it says on your child's chart that your child is a manifester or a manifesting generator, then they are going to be able to initiate conversations. They will be able to speak and people will hear them without them first being recognized. So if you think about this in a school situation, they're the kids that can yell out and the teacher will recognize them. They're the kids in the schoolyard that can yell and other kids will hear them. But if they have an open throat, they need to wait to be recognized. And one of the most valuable things you can do as a parent for your open-throated child is teach them to wait to be recognized before they speak. And I know we've discussed this in previous podcasts, and I know how unfair or even antiquated that might sound. Just try it. Try it for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. You know, this is all just a big experiment anyway, isn't it really? I mean, that's what Ra Uruhu, who downloaded the system 30 years ago, said. It's all an experiment. It's a pretty damn accurate experiment though, I must say. But just try it. Try it with yourself if you have an unmotorized throat, if that is if you're a generator, a projector or a reflector. And certainly encourage your kids to try it and see what happens because you might just be very surprised at the results. Yeah, this one is interesting because I've seen kids with this. So I'm imagining what a teacher must feel like because, well, there are these manifestors and manifesting generators that can be heard. But then there's also kids with the open throat or even a defined throat, but are generators or whatever type that they are. And you don't necessarily have to know the technical details of this, like where it is in the chart. You can probably just listen to us and kind of know what your kid is like. But sometimes you over speak or over talk because you're trying to be heard and recognized. And so then you have these kids in the class that are like always speaking out for the top of other kids. And then there's also ones that are super quiet that are not speaking up at all. But when you ask the kid that's super quiet what their opinion is, like it's going to be heard. So I think if you're a teacher and you're listening to this and you these aren't your own kids, sometimes calling on the quiet kids is helpful and also teaching the kids that are overly exerting their voice to kind of wait to be heard. It can be really powerful for everyone. Very, very valuable. So really, and recognition can be as little as somebody looking at them with the expectation of them saying something, or it can be, you know, what do you think? Or it can be calling on them in a classroom. And if you can recognize your children as often as possible, give them the opportunity to speak to you, you might, as Nani was saying, just be a little bit blown away by what they have to say, because there is a lot of wisdom in that open throat if it is recognized. 
And I've also noticed, I think, Roz, you said that you may have noticed this as well. Sometimes kids with open throats are recognized, like they're leaving the school and all the other kids are saying like, bye, goodbye. And the kid who has open throat doesn't even notice that all these people are recognizing them. I have seen evidence of that myself, Nani. It's quite amazing that if the open-throated child stays quiet, they will be recognized in the yard in the you know wherever they happen to be other kids will recognize them and say bye joey or bye lizzie or whoever and that's when lizzie and joey can then turn around and say bye because they've been recognized and the reason they've been recognized is because of their energy just calling out to all of these other children to recognize it in its silence so hopefully that makes sense to you and hopefully you give it a go. We've probably talked about the oils, the essential oils before to use for your throat, but if your kid is having, I don't know, any troubles communicating, lavender and spearmint are Mm. go-to communication oils or oils for the throat. Absolutely. Lavender and spearmint, just a roll a bottle of diluted lavender and spearmint or lavender and spearmint together or individually will help them to sort of hold it all together. That's what these oils do. They hold the correct vibration and they're just a beautiful support. And you can use this for your defined throat kids too, if you want to, because Mm -hmm. it will help them to use their voice correctly, use their powerful motorized voice correctly. Yeah. I don't know if this is in the quote or not, but You also want your kids, like some of these oils help you bring out your authentic speech. You want them to say what they really want to say. Some kids are connected to one of the next centers we're going to talk about and they're vulnerable to criticism. So sometimes they're worried about what they're saying because they might, you know, like it really is to their soul. It's just honoring your kids in all these different ways is so helpful to them. The next center is the G center. And we actually think this is a pretty important one for kids. And I would say in particular, if they have an open G center, because the G center is for direction and love. And for kids, this means that being around the right people and in the right environment is super duper important. And so if you, I don't know, I describe this as if you have a kid that changes kind of who they are when they're around different people, they might have an open G center because literally that's what you do. And so, I mean, the the point of it all as a parent is to help your kids, if you can, like, I don't know, I guess at a certain age, you can't really guide them to finding the, the right friends. But if they're struggling a lot, it could be who they're hanging around mm-hmm. or it could be the environment that they're in. And sometimes it's just as simple as changing something in your house, like literally furniture in their bedroom or the way their bedroom feels for them can make a big difference where they sit in the classroom at school. There's a lot of different things that you think about. And maybe Roz can tell us a few more things. Yeah. Well, if your child has an open G center and they tell you that they don't like the school that they're at, if there is any way possible that you can change their school, you might find some astonishing results because If the open G doesn't feel good where it is, doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel supported, doesn't feel safe, then that can affect the way that their life trajectory heads. 
when you have an open G and about 40% of us have an open G, it really is so important that we feel okay where we are. I mean, you can take it to the next level and say it's really important as an adult that we love our house, that we love our city, that we love the restaurant that we go to. But when we're talking about it from a kid's perspective, if your child says they don't feel comfortable and there's you know, ways of, of inviting that information out of them and making sure that you've got the whole story you may find that they don't prosper, they don't flourish in the way that you might hope that they would. Whereas if they have a defined G-centre, it's not typically going to be as much of a big deal. Most people with a defined G-centre can make it work wherever they find themselves. Now, there will obviously be exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, it's going to be the open G-centre that's far more vulnerable to this sort of thing than the defined G-centre. And Nani, you were talking before about the vulnerability of the child who has the G-centre and the throat connected. Can you maybe tell us a bit more about that? Well, if you have a defined G-centre and you have it connected to your throat, then you basically talk about your soul, your love. And so you can, I mean, as you might imagine, you can be quite vulnerable if you're speaking from your soul and like another kid laughs at you or a parent kind of dismisses what you say because you're just speaking from the depths of yourself. And a kid that has that will just always, I mean, that's just what they talk about and who they are. They have other things that they may talk about as well, but just being aware that they might be sensitive to that is very helpful because mm -hmm. I have been around kids like this. And even if you are trying to be lighthearted about something, I've heard them say like, don't laugh at me. And you're not like meaning to, but the way they feel about it is very sensitive. Yeah. And you might just know some adults who have this same connection and they don't like being criticised either. It never leaves. One of the things that you can do for your child if they have that connection between the G-centre and the throat, so what we're talking about is if either the channel 1333, the 18, the 31.7 or the 10.20 show up as being defined in your child's chart, then they have this particular connection. And if they do have that connection, one of the thing, one of the greatest gifts you can give them is to explain to them that most people don't feel criticism in the same way as they do. Most people don't really care that much if they get criticised. It's kind of water off a duck's back. But for them, it hurts. It really hurts. So having them even just understand that because you know there will be times probably as a parent, like it or not, that you will criticise them, you'll forget or you'll feel that you need to or whatever and there will certainly be times when they're outside of your responsibility where they will be criticised. Just having this information and understanding that most people don't feel it as much as they do can really help them you know, with with life in general and certainly as they become adults. Yes. Another thing that I was thinking about with the G-Center is that you, if you have an open G-Center, you feel love in multiple different ways. And so every day it could be different. I don't know, you could be in love with something you're doing at school and then in love with 
something you ate. I don't know, just whatever you're in love with. But you might also be told that love is like a certain way or like even family structures. I'm, I'm so happy that there's so many options now and people are accepting of all the options. But until now, say your parents get divorced and you're told that like love happens in this specific type of family, the kid with the open G is going to just have a hard time in this area. So helping them understand that love comes from multiple places and Abs- multiple people abs- and multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. There's an essential oil for unconditional love. Well, actually, there are two of them that would be really great for the center for anyone. And that would be rose or geranium. Oh, yes. Do you have any other idea? And another one, which is the oil of the inner child, which I think is also a beautiful oil for kids in general, is ylang ylang. So I think there's one of the... The oil from the kid oil collection that might be good for the G Center is the steady grounding blend. So it kind of just would keep you grounded because environment and be feeling grounded is super important. Yes. Center. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or interest in learning more about human design, go to our website for Roz. interested in getting any of the oils in your home, both of us can help you with that. And if what we're sharing is helping, can you please give us a five-star rating on iTunes? It helps us share with even more people. And that's what we're here to do is share both of these tools with the world. So thank you very much. Bye, Roz. Bye, Nani. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.